0: Greetings and welcome to the For the Ride podcast. I'm your host, Adam Vanderveen. And just a friendly reminder all of the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of myself and the guest and not representative of Triumph Motorcycles. All right, today this is what I'm calling part one of a special two part, I couldn't say episode because it's going to be two episodes, but part one of a two part series. I've interviewed two individuals that have both taken an epic motorcycle trip together, Zach Courts, today's guest, and Spurgeon Dunbar, the guest of part two. And for the first time, I'm releasing two episodes on the same day and time. This is because Zach and Spurgeon have recently got back from India where they rode the all-new Speed 400 and Scrambler 400X motorcycles to the highest motorable road in the world, known as Umling La. And they did that for an episode of CTXP. Now, if you're not familiar with CTXP, Revzilla, AKA the Amazon for motorcycles, they have a content arm of their company called the Common Tread. The Common Tread started as a blog, but now it's just all things incredible motorcycle content. And then four times per year, they do a a really high production value episode called CTXP. So for the most recent CTXP episode, they did this epic ride together, and that is the news portion of today's podcast episode. Both Zach and I and Spurgeon and I are going to be talking about their trip in both of these episodes So give both a listen and then follow the link in the bio to go watch this epic adventure that they both had. All right, now for today's comment. uh, This one comes from Andrew Crow, and the title of his comment is Adults Talking to Adults. And Andrew said, I love this show, not simply because of the amazing discussions about motorcycles, hobbies, careers, and more, but because this is a series of casual conversations among adults. It is a relaxed few moments of your day where you can listen and learn. I'm always inspired after each episode, and it makes me just want to be a better rider, photographer, and person. Thanks for working so hard to create a quality atmosphere. Andrew, what an incredible comment. Thank you for writing in and expressing that. And we would love to give you a t-shirt. Please just send an email to fortheride.us at Triumph Motorcycles with your size and address, and we'll get a shirt out to you. If anybody listening would also love to win a free t-shirt, please just leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. All right, next, before I further introduce today's guest, I I just want to plug a couple of things. I've been really bad about it uh, for the past few episodes, but uh, uh, two very important things for Triumph that I want to make sure everybody knows about. First is our partnership with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation now with these new 400cc motorcycles coming out, we finally have something that really is a a great offering for any first time rider. So I just want to remind everybody that if you go to triumphrider.com or if you send your friends to triumphrider.com, they can get a free voucher to take the MSF basic e course here in the United States. And that three hour e course is a prerequisite for getting your motorcycle license. Please let us help you start your motorcycle journey by visiting triumphrider.com. Also, we're winding down our event season. We actually only have one left. It's going to be the 16th and 17th. It's a dealer demo event in Southern California, but we'll be kicking off events first thing of the year again in January. So basically, no matter when you listen to this podcast, if you want to know the latest and greatest of where Triumph is going to be in the US and Canada, please just visit triumphontour.com. We keep that updated all the time. So if you're ever interested in visiting an event, go ahead and visit triumphontour.com. All right. Now, finally, I already mentioned who I'm going to be talking to, but Zach Quartz, is a phenomenal rider i've gotten to know him on a couple of press rides but he is a content creator for revzilla's common tread and specifically he's the host of a series called the daily rider where he rides the exact same route to work every day on a different motorcycle and puts that bike through its paces as a commuter bike and then rates them there's actually been a recent episode where he rode the T100, and that got some rave reviews, and he really enjoyed popping a wheelie on that bike. He's also the co-host of CTXP, along with uh, Ari Henning, who did not be able to join him on this India trip, but that would be his regular co-host. And unfortunately, I happened to catch Zach at the end of the day on the Friday, so he was in a bit of a hurry It cut our interview, shorter than we would have liked, but we still chatted for a bit and had a great interview. So let's listen to that interview with Zach and I hope you enjoy it. I got the key to the highway. I'm all packed and bound to go. Lord, let me ride out tomorrow, honey. I won't be back. I mean, it's just, so this is, um, it, it, it is interesting to be sitting down with a pro. <laughs> so You're you, you a, a professional podcaster.
1: Uh, I guess technically I am, yeah. Now, <laughs> I never set out to do that. But <laughs> right, that me neither. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but, but it is, uh, I mean, like out of everybody I've interviewed, um, I, I think if I think of like, uh, not, not nervousness, but a little bit of like, if I'm self-conscious going into it, it's it's not <laughs> like, there have been other people that have had like massive achievements in their life, and that doesn't make me nervous. It's other people that have this specific skill set.
1: right, right. That makes perfect sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you because
0: <laughs> I don't feel like I really have this skill set, but it's fun to do anyways. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. No, so, I don't think um I don't think it takes much of a skill set beyond being personable, so okay, I think you're prepared.
0: <laughs> no one's ever accused me of being personable <laughs> uh well, thank you for welcoming me to your office, your headquarters.
1: It's very grandiose, isn't one, it?
0: One of your headquarters.
1: <laughs> I like to call it a satellite Revzilla office, I think. Okay. And I think that's fair because there's like uh yeah, really four or five people that work out of this office. And the you know, Philly is HQ for Revzilla. Of course. Main Main HQ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um and there are, I mean, I'm not even sure how many people are in that building, but um hundreds. So a lot more
0: than Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea you guys were that big. I think so. Yeah. Well I've well, I've been
1: there I've only been there once or twice, but um but yeah, it's it feels that headquarters feels like a real headquarters. This definitely feels like a, an outpost.
0: <laughs> I, you know what? It, it's usually a lot more fun to be at the outpost. Yeah. Well, I got no complaints. Yeah. So <laughs> is that that big because it's the headquarters for all of Komodo? Or is that just Revzilla in Philly?
1: I don't think it's big because of Komodo. I think it's big because it was originally Revzilla HQ. Okay. Um, and uh, it has become, I think, the de facto headquarters for a lot of uh, Komodo stuff because it's the it's the it's the biggest um, main office i think um but yeah it's it's a it's a pretty standalone uh revzilla feeling building which for better or for worse than the conglomerate is <laughs> for someone else to decide right
0: <laughs> well, well so now um i'm actually back-to-back days uh in official revzilla buildings because oh, I, right. I was in went... denver yesterday right and right, i right. did poke my head in one of your flagship retail locations
1: (laughs) yeah yeah the revzilla stores are cool there's one here in um in southern california newport beach and then uh yeah that one in in denver which ari and i did a a little uh, meet and greet event at uh earlier this year or last year or something like that um which is pretty fun it's a cool space i think that it's a groovy part of town and um yeah and there's one more in brooklyn i believe which i have not been to but i've seen pictures of it, it looks really cool um anyway uh yeah, it's cool that you were. and so if you were in the Denver Revzilla store, you saw the Dumb and Dumber bike, did you?
0: Um, it was not pointed out to me. So I no, see. I okay, it. <laughs> shoot. I okay. know. I'm
1: sad. Sad here. You missed it. Uh, anyway, it, that was uh, obviously a video that we did was the you know recreating the Dumb and Dumber road trip from the movie, and the bike uh, itself lives in the den D- Denver store now.
0: So. Well, that's good use for it yeah so, for sure a display yeah.
1: piece yeah it's certainly not good as a motorcycle
0: right and and, so. and and it wouldn't do any good sitting in the corner here no no and we so. have enough
1: bikes sitting in the corner in this office yeah. as you've seen so
0: well that's awesome what <laughs> um you do like the average person that walks in would they know it's there or do you have to uh, s- stumble upon it
1: well i would have thought so and i don't want to make you feel bad but it's straight through the front entrance i think it's like Oh boy! Right there, I'm not sure. It's small. To, okay. To, in your defense, it's not a large. have just overlooked it. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's only a hundred pounds, and it's got five inch wheels or whatever. So it's a it's a very small bike. Um, but yeah, it should be. It's it's in the sort of main part of the store. Um, and I, I uh, think I
0: bypassed that pretty quick because yeah, there was a, a very friendly greeter, and they said, <laughs> you know, the uh, adventure stuff is that way, street stuff is that way. And, gotcha. And I, I just see. started okay. upon my lap, and yeah, fair enough. Okay. Well,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. For anyone listening, try not to make the same mistake. Ch- check yeah, out the Diamond bike. It's, it's, are, it's, a, it's something to behold in person. Are,
0: are people allowed to sit on it?
1: Good question. The At the event that we were, at, Ari and I uh, went to, yes, they had it down and you could sit on it and take a picture of it. I don't know if that's standard operating procedure, though. Um, I know you can take a picture with it, it's right there. You can, But I don't know if you can sit on it uh, on a day to day basis. I'm not sure. Okay.
0: I, I mean, I just <laughs> asked because I, I think. Uh, A big part of the premise of that was the discomfort. Correct. So it'd be fun if other people could temporarily experience the discomfort.
1: You're absolutely right. That is the thing that that the big takeaway uh, with that is having uh, the ability for people to sit on it and think. Oh my gosh, you rode this for whatever it was, 300 miles. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: Uh, So this this is maybe an easy segue into like one of my questions for you is um, it it feels like discomfort is a theme in a lot of the content that you produce. I'm I'm so glad you've noticed. Okay. (laughs) Whose idea is that?
1: Uh, That's Spencer. Our producer Spencer is mostly his idea for us to be. um, Because he doesn't have to do it. In discomfort. (laughs) Yes. Right. Um, I mean, you know, it's born from a lot of things. He does believe as the director and producer of the show that, um, it's something that makes content like the stuff that we do relatable, um, is, you know, any motorcyclist who's ridden in the rain or, um, been on the wrong bike for the specific ride they're doing or whatever it is, or even the right bike on a nice day, you get uncomfortable on a motorcycle eventually. Like they're not as comfortable (laughs) as cars. I don't think, um, for example. So I think that it's something that m- all motorcyclists feel to a certain extent, right? You make a little bit of a sacrifice for comfort depending on the uh journey that you're taking, but uh most motorcyclists I think would agree that you from that you get a much more visceral uh and sort of um real experience for taking that journey. So I think that the that's part of what we're reaching for, I think, is is the 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 obvious and um <clears throat> And be a really connective tissue that brings people to motorcycling sometimes. It's sort of like, you don't do it because it's easy. You do it because you get something else out of it. Yeah.
0: If, I, I mean, I, I haven't thought of it, but since we're talking about it, I'd say some of my most memorable rides mm-hmm. have been the uncomfortable ones. Absolutely. Like the, the, sure. the, the normal ones don't stand out.
1: Exactly right. And, like, it's, this, yeah. and it's the same thing with, a, you know, maybe a bicycle ride or a hike or something, right? You know? The hikes you remember are the ones like, oh man, it started snowing, and holy cow, we weren't even sure if we had enough water, and then we made it back, and what an adventure, you know. Um, and it's it's a little too cynical to say that we try to manufacture that drama, uh, you know, cut it from whole cloth, but we do, we are aware that um, those trials and tribulations, those struggles, um, and a little bit of suffering is something that uh, creates uh, a more memorable experience and uh, and creates more relatability with. With the audience so right. i guess to circle back to your question it's born a little bit from motorcycling as a whole and it's also born from the wacky ideas that we have and that we that we that we try to execute um we know anyone who's familiar with our content knows that we don't often take like touring bikes on a touring trip or dirt bikes on a dirt bike trip that's yep. not usually what we do right we take uh, an inappropriate machine and apply it to some scenario um, and from that of course you get discomfort
0: yeah, naturally. Naturally. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, in uh, one of the things you guys are really good at is you take good motorcycle content and you make it very uh, entertaining, right? So you, you make content that people want to watch. And then I think then, uh, then they're consuming great motorcycle content, which then in turn makes them want to ride. Right. But, but you have to want to watch in the first place.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's, um, that's certainly the goal with everything that we do especially these big ctxp episodes for example um is to yeah create something that almost anyone would enjoy watching um and if you're into motorcycles then all the better (laughs) um and and yeah it's it's all it's all part of a kind of a triangle of of information and education and inspiration that those are the three principles that we work on uh we work off of i should say and um yeah you know we we in some ways we kind of want to like trick people into learning things because it's entertaining. And, um, we want to, uh, trick people into being inspired, even though they're just trying to learn something, you know, any one of those things can relate to the other. And when I say trick people into, you know, it's not, um, it's not, uh, uh, uh mean spirited kind of trick. It's more like we want people to get to the end and be like, Whoa, I like learned something about a part of the world or that motorcycle. And I didn't even mean to, right. I, I just had, got a kick out of watching that thing happen. Um, so that's, that's, that's the, a, a big sort of driving premise for us as well.
0: Well, I mean, it, it's working, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, audiences are there, uh, which is amazing. Um, I think, uh, you know, to, to your credit, I, you guys don't have a shortage. It doesn't appear of, um, more ideas <laughs> and, and that's gotta be hard. Cause you know, you've done just so many outlandish things and in hmm. that, you know, it's like, well, how do you think of the next thing? How do you top it? Is, is that always like a challenge to yourself? Definitely. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I think the it's not for us about topping it, but it's about kind of like maintaining that energy, you know, and we even, you know, internally, we agree that some ideas are better than others. (laughs) We'll admit that. Uh, But, you know, reaching for the next big idea is not about that sometimes. It's not about reaching for the next big idea. It's about reaching for the next thing that excites you or inspires you, you know? And I think that's why I feel a little bit defensive about anyone who says, oh, you know, you're just sort of like, you know, you're manufacturing this drama, you're creating these scenarios just to act like idiots or, um, you know, try to get people to click on it because you've suffered through this thing. Um, a lot of times we are setting ourselves up for, for some amount of that suffering, but almost always it's something that we are behind and interested in and, and ultimately want to pursue. And I think, I, I mean, I like to think that that comes through as well, you know? Um, so to circle back to what you asked, I think yeah. it's, the next idea comes from our own excitement and inspiration on things. And, and um, sometimes they resonate with people and sometimes they don't, but usually it's just stuff that we're like, that would be super fun. Let's give that a try.
0: Well, I, I think um, a little bit, I imagine, is just you guys enjoy challenging yourselves. And, and sure. that's part of it, right? And now if you're going to challenge yourself... Of course, there's going to be uh, discomfort. I mean, that's part of uh, overcoming things, right? And so, I mean, some of the epic rides are a challenge, and and you probably feel like a big sense of accomplishment when it's over.
1: Sure, and and I think, I mean, there's some of that, and the the if an adventure is unique, whether you film it and put it on YouTube or not, um, you get a unique sense of accomplishment there, right? And I think that uh, there's a lot of there are a lot of people having adventures on motorcycles, having adventures in general. There are a lot of people making YouTube videos, um, you know, filming things, creating content that is that is good and 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 filling a need sometimes, you know. Um, I think that we get a kick out of asking questions that no one else does and therefore answering questions that no one else thought they wanted an answer to. <laughs> okay. uh, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. like I don't think anyone um uh, you know, as far as we could tell, there weren't a lot of people wondering um, what it would be like to actually take that Dumb and Dumber minibike from Nebraska to Aspen. Uh, but when we served it to people as an answer to that question, they enjoyed it. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it seems, yeah. I mean, I, most people I've talked to, I got a kick out of it anyway. And I like to think that that is, stems from our collective mind here at CTXP coming up with, um, coming up with those ideas
0: is that one would you say that's the most popular so far
1: um well i think view wise actually the um the trail 90 and trail 125 hondas across alaska um is the most viewed it's okay be episode at this point um uh and you know to be fair to, to undercut what i just said other people had ridden trail 90 across alaska you know um there's a guy uh i forget his name he's a british guy i think um had a channel called c90 adventures i think and i think he and his girlfriend maybe rode um little honda trails uh along a similar route we did um through alaska in the winter i believe not in the summer oh man um, and some of the footage is just staggering and so he was a huge inspiration for us and so i you know, obviously i can't take obviously can't take a lot of credit for that being a unique idea um but i do feel that the way that we presented it and, and the kind of like twist that we put on it was um was fun and and obviously it's a it's a big uh there's a big question mark around alaska in general i think it's a you know the sort of last frontier feeling is something that people share and it's a it's a it's a obviously a vast place to try to tackle so obviously that resonated with people
0: yeah was that uh was that your first time there
1: uh no i actually had done the dalton highway uh like hall road thing they call it from basically it was basically from north just north of fairbanks all the way to the um uh, arctic ocean in prudhoe bay and i had done that once before for um a story for cycle world um, in 2017 or something like that, um, on a, on a big 1200 GS. Um, and it was interesting to have done it on that bike prior because the experience on a Honda trail bike was a lot different. What do I, can I imagine. imagine. Um, uh, so it was, I had, I had technically done that section before, but the adventure we did and recorded for CTXP was a lot bigger. We started on the Southern coast of Alaska and Anchorage, and we went, um, actually beyond, uh, where the road ends in our episode. Um, so that was yeah it, it was a, it was an extension of that adventure and it was a um uh, i think better for it in some ways the story i told prior was uh much more straightforward right so. right <laughs>
0: um so uh, i'm gonna uh, I, I tend to do this uh quite often i'll uh, anybody i speak with i just jump right in and then uh have the need to rewind a little bit so sure um the, all these interesting uh, trips and videos that we've been talking about are, are because you um you have the role of uh, what would you call yourself a, a content what? creator on behalf of a a media company What
1: are you my mother-in-law yeah. asking <laughs> me these questions what do I call myself what do I call my job Uh um yeah I'm a, I'm a um what is my job title um I am a media lead and editor yeah. I think Like a, like a um, lot of
0: your counterparts I would call journalists, but I mean, you are by trade. Yeah, of, yeah, by
1: training and by trade. I'm a journalist, um, a motorcycle journalist. But, um, you know, certainly the, the way that um, special interest journalism has uh, evolved, I think, is much more. Yeah, you, it's much more content creation based. Right. It's it doesn't feel so much like journalizing in a classic sense. Uh, it feels much more like showing people things. And. um in an entertaining way. Um, so I think it's, you know, when you, if you put m- me or my job next to someone who works for, um, Reuters or the New York times or uh, the, the wall street journal, um, I certainly wouldn't feel myself, so I wouldn't feel comfortable calling myself. Yeah, I'm a journalist, you know, just like you are. That's not really fair. Um, but I do think that we, I mean, as a point of pride on the common tread team at Revzilla, I think we do try to take our jobs, uh, the, the sort of foundation and baseline of our jobs, which a lot of it is just writing articles about motorcycles and, and trying to deliver information to people from a journalistic standpoint so that we're able to, yeah, you know, deliver information in a way that is reliable and objective and interesting to people. Um, yeah. And the, you know, the video stuff is, uh, has a lot more jazz hands. I think it's a little bit, a little bit different, um, feel to it.
0: Yeah. So, um, and yeah, you guys do a really unique job of, um, your content is, diverse or like omni channel almost it right uh-huh. so a lot of um motorcycle media entities mostly do a single thing right they, they mm. have a uh traditional uh print publication or they have a a website where they do reviews or articles and some you know yep, yep. there's youtubers that do video reviews you guys sort of do everything
1: uh, uh, yeah we try yeah <laughs> which of course well, well, uh,
0: and it's interesting that it's not like uh you, you know everybody does everything right it's not like you're just the word guy and somebody else is the video guy right like all of you guys do a little bit of uh everything here
1: we do yeah um and i say you know we're not totally unique in that way right there are other motorcycle journalists or you know other people who write for magazines or websites that you know both make videos and um yeah. and uh write articles um and have some sort of social media presence but we are i, I think what i like to think separates us a little bit is um you know the the diversity and the content that we produce from a creative standpoint i think that you know uh, if you look at like airy making the the shop manual youtube show for example i think that's um a, a pretty clear product and um fairly different from what other people do and and i think that you know our CTXB episodes the sort of like long-form things where we ride right across alaska or uh that kind of thing are um are, yeah, they're more grandiose and more entertainment-based. And I'm proud of that because I think that it's much easier to take what you learn from doing a first ride article on a new XYZ motorcycle and then parlay that into a video where you tell people, here are the new things about XYZ motorcycle. It's the article in video form with some B-roll footage and you get to hear what the bike sounds like. And it's not that that work is not valuable, it's not that it uh isn't um difficult to do in its own right, but I'm certainly proud of the stuff that we do as a um, yeah, just because I feel I feel it is quite different um
0: yeah, well, and now i mean from the from my end in my role. Um, I'm happy that all of it exists. Right? Sure, Look, sure, Right, because there's a place for all of it, and it, it's all very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm,
1: I feel the same way for what it's worth. I mean, you know, I'm not. I don't think that we're the only. People, we're obviously, not the only channel that gets, um, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of views on motorcycle content. You know, and, and we, the people that are our friends and, and acquaintances in the industry, like uh, uh, Norley at Itchy Boots or uh, Ryan Fortnine. You know, there are people that are making other great content that is different than ours and different from other people's and you know it's unique in its own way and it's special in its own way and and i kind of i think we feel the same way in in large part is we're happy that it's all out there because um as people are being entertained and informed and inspired then then motorcycling is better for it
0: yeah so um so you're now doing this i i still didn't quite get a title out of you but you're now doing this for <laughs> uh revzilla and then um so the, the content arm of revzilla is called common tread
1: correct Yep. Yeah. It, yeah it's a very confusing branding exercise within the conglomerate of of you know of yeah komodo is the owns revzilla it, the, who
0: owns right is the common conglomerate Trip, yeah. of
1: cycle gear and revzilla and JP cycles and uh among those three companies which make money selling people parts and accessories for different types of motorcycles there is a content wing that is called common tread uh, so yes, it is, I, yeah. I hope that explains it a little bit.
0: But. Yeah, it makes sense. You guys are <laughs> Amazon Prime.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's generous. I think <laughs> I think your <laughs> budget's probably a little smaller, but yeah, that's a good way to there you go. Good way to put it. Yeah.
0: Um. And so, th- uh, did like professionally, were you always in this space? I know you weren't always with uh, Common Tread and RevZilla. You've you've uh, been with a number of publications before this, but is that like by trade? Were you always a, a journalist?
1: Uh no, I worked a couple of um. Well, I don't call them dead end jobs because here I am, but uh, um, less exciting on paper jobs. Um, I had of college, I worked for Gillette, uh, the shaving Razors. company. Yeah. yeah, World Shaving Headquarters, actually. If you've ever been to uh, South Boston, um, there is a building that says World Shaving Headquarters on it, and that is where I worked.
0: Um, it's a bold statement.
1: I know. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very proud thing to say. Uh, well, I think
0: they're the only shaving company that have a stadium named after them. So <laughs> yeah, they've done something right. They're yeah.
1: exactly right. Yeah. They're, they're in some ways doing things that no one else is Anyway. Um, yeah. So I worked at Gillette uh, at a sort of like entry-level, very entry-level job for a little while. And, um, and then I moved to California kind of cause I felt like it. Um, and I worked at a health insurance company and I worked at a solar energy company and those are two very different industries, but I actually had a similar job in their sort of um uh technical writing uh for about healthcare and about solar energy um and then uh yeah well, if the, you
0: can write about healthcare and solar energy, you can write about anything <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what I told the people at motorcyclist <laughs>
1: magazine um in two thousand eleven or twelve or something like that and um yeah, got a job actually mostly through my uh, friend and colleague um Ari Henning, who worked at motorcyclist at that time um and he sort of recommended me for the job and ended up getting the job at motorcyclist and that was uh that was a kind of a classic at that point in say 2012 was a pretty classic motorcycle journalism job it was we produced a magazine once a month we wrote uh, articles for that magazine and then the magazine shipped to the printer and the printer shipped it to everyone's house 250,000 subscribers or whatever it was and then we started on the next magazine and yep. we did that 12 times a year and that over like, and over and over, over and yeah. over uh and it's a great job loved it um and uh, the way we got into video work is a sort of a, I don't need to go into the whole thing, but, um, but basically we were part of the Motor Trend group at that time. And um, the Motor Trend YouTube channel was just sort of kicking off. And we started working with some of the people that were associated with the Motor Trend channel because Motorcyclist Magazine brand was underneath that same umbrella. And we started making these motorcycle videos. And then um, when there was a change of ownership with Motorcyclist Magazine, uh, eventually we ended up um, under the same roof as a uh, cycle world and dirt rider and um and a couple other uh motorcycle publications and they hired a videographer a um, fresh-faced young man named spencer who um we still work with today so Ari and spencer and i sort of created a friendship uh or grew a friendship in that initial role and we were making um uh a show called on two wheels for the Motorcyclist magazine youtube channel at that time and then um yeah we parlayed that into into the job that we have now ultimately
0: gotcha yeah so as a like uh, predominantly a, a writer and so in your career then was in in writing you did like professional writing then got a little more into editorial writing yep um was it weird transitioning to being in front of the camera
1: yes oh yeah that's a great question i mean because that
0: uh, typically yeah writers are comfortable uh <laughs> <laughs> right, right with their the words behind the keyboard yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Somewhere out there is the first time I was, I tried to make a video, you know, like first time I was on camera. And, uh, I don't remember the last time I saw it, it was years ago now, but, um, it's awful. I mean, it's really bad. I, it's just so clear that I have no idea what I'm doing. I, and, and that's to suggest that I know what I'm doing now, which I don't, but, um, but yeah, no, it's it, it, so hard. And Ari same thing. I mean, he started technically before I did making videos. Um, and uh, the first examples are horrendous. I mean, it, it, to your point, you didn't. I, that's not something that I considered. You know, and it was fun, is neat to do, and and it's a really, really great medium for motorcycles, especially, right? Because you start to instead of having photographs, you have, um, you know, video, moving pictures, right? So you you have the ability to 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 hear a motorcycle and to see the speed, and that stuff is just like so valuable when you're trying to deliver uh, an experience like riding a motorcycle. So. It was great, um, and we, and we sort of fought through it because we believed in it, and we, and we liked doing it, but to answer your question, yes, very, very weird bad awkward yeah. yeah yeah if you think I'm bad now, please don't ever look up those original videos
0: was it um like was it your idea? was it something that you had to be talked into or to do video? yeah
1: um it was a little bit of a mandate at first, um, but ultimately, what drove the relative success of the videos that we did was I think twofold. One that Ari and I are kind of motivated individuals and we enjoyed the challenge of it. And we, we, we liked that it was hard in some ways, you know, like we didn't mind doing the extra work to get the extra value out of it. And we got a kick out of that. Um, and I think we also benefited a great deal from the fact that we have known each other since we were little kids. Um, and so there's a, there, there, there was a, we have I don't know that I often see it, not, not to disparage him or myself really, but we are often told that the chemistry on screen is one that is hard to fake if you haven't known someone for a long time. Yeah. Um. And so I think that that uh, that helps. And 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 building on that was in some ways easier I think for us than it might be for other co-hosts of videos.
0: It's uh, it's definitely more comfortable whether whether it's on camera or like on stage or whatever it is sure. with somebody. Sure. Uh, that and,
1: you yeah that yeah. you understand respect um or um yeah anyway yeah so. I think that was, um, that was part of the reason that we, that we did it. But yeah, like I said, part of it was just sort of, we got a kick out of it. And we kept saying like, no, no, we can, we can do better. We can do more next time. We can, we can make it better this way. And we were also fortunate enough to work with some editors, Spencer very much included. Um, I mean, he's a, absolutely at the top of that list. Um, we were fortunate enough to work with people that, you know, pushed us to be better and asked us to, to, to challenge ourselves in new ways. And, and, um, I think that makes a big difference.
0: Nice. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I already know the answer to this one. Okay. Some questions I do, some I don't. <laughs> um. But so you did know Airy prior to working with him? Yes. Right. I, yes. I've uh, I've heard you guys were childhood friends.
1: Yes. Uh, his father and my father raced vintage motorcycles in the same club, um, starting in the late '80s or mid 80s i suppose okay um so when Ari and i were little little kids
0: were they vintage then or vintage now so <laughs> A.K. were they new then and vintage now or uh, were they even vintage for that time
1: no they were vintage even then okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were vintage motorcycles in you know 1988 and 1994 in the 80s whatever. they were already vintage correct yeah yes. okay um and yeah that's how they um that's how they liked spending their time independent of each other. And then Ari and I were approximately the same age and we loved going to the racetrack with our dads. And, um, and then we made friends as, I don't know, you know, six, eight years old. We're just like doing wheelies around the pits on bicycles and, uh, I mean just like spending time causing trouble as uh, little track rats. Um, and then, yeah, so that's how that uh, uh, friendship started. And, and that's how, yeah, it's how, how far back it reaches, which is pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I it's um some of those friends that I have from childhood, like I value them so much because there's just um I can get really close with people now, yeah. But anybody that knew me back then, it's just you can never replace that, right? Like the the just the history of yeah. somebody that knew what you were like at different stages of your life. Absolutely, and that, that's super cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, you 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 have a it's 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 really important to remember that. Um, and I think that <laughs> he and I. I think as people get older in general, they become more um, idiosyncratic or I don't want to be cranky. It's a, sim- a simpler word to use. for it. <laughs> maybe, maybe more um, uh, harder to access or a little bit more um, difficult in general. And, uh, and I think that he and I, I, I won't speak for him, but I think that we um, value, even when we've had our differences in opinion um, in, in the workplace or in our personal life, uh, as adults, we value too much the the friendship that we have and 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 how far we've come <laughs> as friends and as colleagues. Because, like you said, it's it's a it's a pretty special thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and sometimes when you have that like longevity of friendship, yeah, it's an interesting thing. You can disagreements are different because right you can almost disagree harder because you know like well we have this relationship no matter what. So look, yeah. right, some people you, you you're gonna dance around a little bit because if you disagree that can dissolve like a, a relationship totally and, yeah uh but yeah some of those long-standing ones it, it's not going to be <laughs> dissolved so
1: exactly yeah we have yeah. that conversation a lot because the uh, you know spencer and Ari myself when she, um, we've worked together and hung out together so much that we sometimes um we've we've had, we've talked about that dynamic <laughs> about how like our, you know sometimes we are too honest with each other uh and and because we know that we're sort of bonded you know we feel like brothers in a a way uh, and sort of like we can't there's nothing that's going to fracture this so right i can i can be as much myself as i want to and and uh that's good and bad (laughs) yeah for for, for better or worse (laughs) exactly exactly right yeah yeah
0: um so then uh so growing up kind of around the racetrack um did you like uh, how much did you ride versus how much were you just hanging out
1: uh, well, yeah, up to the age of 15 or 16, I just hung out at the racetrack and sort of like, you know, cheered my dad on and, and made friends. And it was like a summer thing that we did. Um, this is all in New England for what it's worth Eric grew up in Massachusetts and I grew up in Vermont. So, um, most of these meetings happened uh, on the Eastern seaboard somewhere. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it was, it was very much a social thing that I just got a kick out of. And I loved, um, spending time with those people and I loved motorcycles and I loved racing and I, and it was just great. I, it was all positive for me. Um, And by the time I turned 15 or 16, I was so motivated to try it that my dad let me try. And then ultimately I ended up racing, um, at the, at a similar level, I raced vintage bikes and then I raced modern bikes eventually. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, yeah, it's club, club racing for those who aren't familiar is, uh, it's, it's sort of like the Thursday night softball of, um, of, of motorcycle competition. It's not, um, it's not ultra, I mean, certain clubs around the country are more competitive or less competitive. Um, but. Uh, yeah, the point is, what I did was never a professional or anything. It was all very sort of hobbyist, but um, but but you know, people took it seriously. And, and at my peak, at the highest level, I was um, I was competitive in 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 fast classes, and I took it very seriously. And it was a, a, a really big part of my growing up. And um, and yeah, I am mean, just a,
0: just an awesome thing to chase as a teenager. It was really fun. I bet um, in like motorcycle racing, the there definitely is that subculture of vintage bikes. Like, what yeah. is the, what would be the appeal of wanting to race vintage bikes versus wanting to race modern bikes? Um,
1: good question. And I guess the, you know, the Thursday night softball analogy is very much uh, aimed at vintage racing in in general, in general, vintage motorcycle racing events are just people are there. There are people there that like racing, that like going fast, that want to win. Certainly that those people exist. I was one of them, but much of the culture and many of the people are there because they love the bikes and they love the social aspect of it. I mean, there are people, I, I, I don't know if I can remember a face or a name that I'm pulling to the top of my head right now, but I remember people going and like their bike just wouldn't run all weekend. They would like try to get it running. They'd try to get out in the race. They'd try to get out in practice. It would break. they drain the oil. they try they check the spark plugs. They're trying to, th- something's broken. I can't, I don't. And they had a great time. They had a great time. Yeah. That's all
0: part of it. It's all part of it. Yeah. You
1: know, and my, you know, my dad, there was a guy, I remember this guy specifically rich who would come and he raced an old triumph and he's a really good, good rider. And, um, and, uh, you know, did pretty well. And I remember my dad saying like, you know, you're always working on your bike. It's cause it's an old triumph. And like old triumphs are, are, are sometimes a little bit ornery. And, uh, and rich said, this is why I love triumphs. This is why I'm here. I don't, I don't want to race the Honda. I don't want to race a Suzuki. I don't want to race a Triumph. Triumph is what I care about. That's why I'm here. I I love this bike and I love this experience. And 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 most of the time it was fine. Sometimes it's not. And and that was his thing. Like my dad raced BMWs and people told him that bike is a pig. It doesn't work. It doesn't. It's not meant to lean over. It it, it it's not a race bike. You can't. And my dad same thing. I don't care. I like old BMWs. I, I this is what I want. I don't want to race. Uh, a bike that is that, you know, I could race a, a Yamaha RD 350 and it will be a better race bike and maybe I would go faster, but right. that's not, why that's not here. the point. I don't care. Yeah. I, I want, I, I want to race this bike because this is what I love. And that's what, and, and in some ways that's like, I mean, the most pure reason to, you know, go, go and yeah. race or go, go do something on motorcycles is because you care that much about that thing
0: Well, that. And then, um, actually if everybody's, you know, it, your bike is is going to have probably a, a much more uh difference in performance than other bikes on that track compared to like stock classes or everything 100% modern. So oh yeah yeah a little bit I, I imagine you're in that category you're more racing against yourself than the field yeah cuz your bike has a very different uh performance limitation than maybe a lot of the other bikes on the track at the time
1: yeah certainly and the experience is much more um uh unique and and special you might say um my dad a quick anecdote my dad raced uh, this bike one time we went to this race in canada and this guy said can you race this old um ajs i think it was an ajs 7r which for those not intimately familiar with vintage british bikes is a it's sort of like a famous uh relatively famous old um uh purpose-built race bike from the the 50s or 60s or something like that um in the era when, when big British singles were winning Grand Prix. (laughs) Um, it's a 350 single, I believe. And, uh, my dad was like, wow, you know, I'm so honored that you would ask me to ride this, you know, sort of like cool old bike that, um, is kind of special in the world of motorcycling. Of course, I'm happy to do that. And he was in his race and he was, um, Dyson with a friend of ours, you know, the guy, um, I don't remember what he was riding, but he's riding along. My dad's having a Dyson and our friend falls off, crashes on say lap two of eight or whatever. Right. And so my dad said he spent about a lap thinking like, oh man, like I was having such a fun time in that race, you know, like racing with that guy and like trying to pass him and, and, and competing. And then he said that he had this moment of thinking like, wait, 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 I'm on, it's like a sunny, beautiful day. And I'm on this racetrack with however many other people, no one's around, but I'm riding around on this bike that I literally looked at photographs of in magazines when I was a kid. And here I am going as fast as I can on it around this track with no, and I got, this is it. It's just me and the racetrack and I'm just blasting around. And how could I ever ask for anything more than that? That is just like the thing that every motorcyclist is reaching for, whether it's a twisty road or a dirt road or a motocross track or a, or, or, or a straight road or whatever. That's the thing that we're all after. It's this little slice of this, um, this pastime we love so much. And, and that is encapsulated hugely in vintage motorcycle racing Um, and vintage motorcycles in general. I think that's why they're special. They have a, they have a soul and a character that that new bikes don't have, I think, and and racing them is is just a
0: is mainlining that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, yeah, I can feel that. Um, well, so I know you are uh, off to spend some time with the family. Yes, uh, in, in short time. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, congrats on on the uh, uh, on the family situation. The so, new addition. Yes. Yeah, new yep. new addition. I appreciate uh, that. Thank I, you. I, I can't. I'm not sure if I've seen you since. I, I, I know. Um, <laughs> Well, so we got to spend some time on a, on a press ride. I think it was one of the tiger uh, press rides. Yeah. 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 And then was that just before or just, (sighs) Mm -hmm. I think you were expecting.
1: Yeah. Good question. I don't remember when that was exactly, but, um, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we were, uh, we were, we were pregnant at that time. And, um, so yeah, it was the, the calm before the storm.
0: Yeah, right. uh, yeah it, it is a storm, right? <laughs> it is,
1: yeah. I know your uh, father also, so uh, you can appreciate the, the, um, the storm that it is.
0: It doesn't get easier. It just gets different. Cool. Well, yeah. thank you for that. I don't know if that's encouraging or I not, but thank you. Well, it, it, you know what? I, I think um, most of the challenges are because I have two. And yes. Then, it, they are enough. a challenge together. I, <laughs> I say this all the time. They're both amazing by themselves. And then uh, when you put them together, they're a, a nightmare disaster. And Gotcha. Then, well, yeah. I will... Uh... I'll remember that advice yeah, if we're so considering I'll... a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to come and, and chat with you guys is uh, we, we, we're talking about some of the uh, Common Tread uh, CTXP episodes that you guys have done. Yeah. And, um, and you've just done a new one. So by the time this episode releases, uh, your newest episode will have just released. Yes. Um, you just did, a, uh, I would say, the most epic ride that you've done so far.
1: Yeah, certainly. I think from a mileage standpoint um, and an elevation standpoint. Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. For, um, and for those who aren't aware, what we're talking about is uh, the most recent CTXB episode where um, Spurgeon and I, this time instead of Ari and I, um, Spurgeon and I rode from Delhi, India to a place called Umling La, which is the highest motorable pass in the world. Um, we tried to, yeah, get to the, you know, ride the highest road in, in the world over 19,000 feet, which was a, uh, an epic undertaking. For
0: sure. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I mean, so in the, uh, in some of the preparation for this, when, when my team in the UK was uh, asking me about things, they're <laughs> like, have they thought about this and this and this and this? And I mean, it was like, is very intense things that they're like, are are they going to bring like Oxygen canisters to, to make sure that, yeah, they, that yeah. they don't <laughs> pass out of there. I'm like, right. oh boy. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it is intimidating. From, I mean, yeah, the logistics of, I mean, just, yeah. There's a, there are a couple stories up on, um, on uh, common tread at revzell.com um, uh, outlining some of the challenges that we had. One that Spurgeon wrote, one that I wrote, uh and they are largely based around the. I mean, their challenges started from expired passports to rejected visas to uh you know difficult uh flight routing to get there um uh yeah where to sleep uh how to you know how to navigate things there was bad weather um in the sections of the mountains that we rode through so roads were washed away uh, and then of course you finally if, if if and when you get where you're trying to get it's harsh and you know you're it's above the tree line and so um wind can be pretty severe and yeah there's not a lot of oxygen at at uh 15 or 20,000 feet um so, yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, a tree that was ripe with challenges. I bet. <laughs> um,
0: so, so some of the things we talked about earlier, I, I did have kind of this uh, topic in mind, but one of them was just the, you know, you, you've had this history of doing a number of, uh, at, a, at the minimum, uncomfortable rides, but does any of that prepare you? Like, do you get it conditioned to <laughs> ride yeah. uncomfortably, or, or is it, it just, yeah. it's always a little bit hard? And- no,
1: you certainly get condition to it I think. Yeah. I mean every challenge is unique and you you we have a we have a base state as human beings that we are used to, right? When you're at home, you're <laughs> sleeping in your own bed, you're you know, you're um yeah, you're showering in your own bathroom or whatever. It's uh that stuff is is um is we we all revert to that as as our normal, right? And anytime you're outside that normal, it feels strange, but you certainly acclimate to it's just like like I grew up in a place where it gets cold. And now I live in California in Los Angeles where it doesn't get cold. But anytime that I get cold now, even though I'm rarely truly cold, like I'm rarely any place where it's, uh, you know, 20 degrees or zero degrees or, or 15 below zero or something like that. Um, I have this memory, even though it was, it's, it's many years old at this point of being cold. I know what it's like to be cold Yeah. and I don't get scared when my fingers go numb. I don't, there, there are things that my body does when I, when it gets cold, like everyone's body does that I'm. I'm used to, I know what this means. I, 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 I'm familiar, you know? And I think that it's the same thing with a, a challenging motorcycle ride. You know, you're in, in situations that are difficult and they might be unique in some ways, but if you've been through what we've been through in our, uh, in, in our motorcycle adventure career, and, and I'm sure other mo- other motorcyclists who, who are listening, who have had, um, diverse motorcycling experiences will tell you that, uh, you you certainly you're you're a better rider and a better uh you're better prepared for all the experiences that you've had up to a certain point so definitely i i, I mean the 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 lack of oxygen though is a new thing like i've never been oh yeah above i mean i've been to 12 13 14, feet something like that um and i remember um i remember you know pushing a motorcycle at that altitude out of a little hole that was stuck in it was Ari and i riding um actually um scramblers in the rockies which it was a video that's i don't know better part of 10 years old now but i was riding a triumph uh scrambler and um and he was on a ducati scrambler i think and anyway i think he i think his bike was stuck or something like that so i pushed it out of the this little ditch or something and um or maybe it was vice versa the point is we we exerted ourselves for about 30 seconds and we were like (laughs) he felt it (gasps) yeah exactly yeah so i was certainly nervous about these these places in india we were going up to 16 and a half 17 Seventeen, nineteen thousand feet. It was like, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to react to that. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of stuff is intimidating, uh, but but also exciting. I think anyone who who's, oh, yeah. who's into adventure can appreciate that it's exciting to do stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah.
0: What? Um. So th- this is uh, termed the highest motorable pass in the world. Yes. What is what's the distinction between yeah. this being quote unquote <laughs> motorable and other tall places? Good question. So
1: it is a a little bit of an asterisk, I suppose, because it is the highest motorable pass in the world suggests that it is the highest public road in the world. I see. Uh, The the highest place that you are allowed to drive a car or ride a motorcycle. Uh, So there are probably, I mean, I guess I assume slash no, I don't actually know, I can't name them, but I assume that there are higher roads in the world that you can walk on or you can drive on privately or they...
0: If you could yeah. even get a vehicle there, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's there's a lot of unknowns there. Um, but this this is the the distinction with this road is that it is the the highest place you're allowed to sort of just go to, okay, uh, or, or, or drive to ride to.
0: Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Um, so you mentioned all of the you've always done these episodes with Airy. How yeah. how is it different with a, a different co host this time around?
1: <laughs> Yeah, good question. I think um it was interesting. I think Spurge and I are maybe a little bit more similar uh than Ari and I are. And I think um that was kind of easier in some ways and harder in some ways um from an entertainment standpoint. Um but ultimately uh, those of you who know Spurge and Dunbar know that he is a, a stand-up guy and uh has a great attitude for um for struggle and for suffering and for motorcycling in general so uh he he from an attitude perspective he was unstoppable and uh, of course he's a, he's a um also quite a skilled rider so uh that's one thing that Ari and i have been thankful for over the years is that we rarely have a situation where like he can do something on a motorcycle that i can't or vice versa where we're compatible that way um and spurge is actually likewise he's, he's a he's a quite a competent rider so that's a nice thing to have, you know, you look over your shoulder and be like, cool, I'm riding with this person and I trust them, you know, to, to not make a bad decision, right. to to not do something stupid or not getting over their head or something like that. So yeah, awesome. so that, no, it was, it was quite positive.
0: So uh, you said, you know, you guys are, are similar. So it, it worked in, in that instance. And, uh, you know, you also do the podcast together. So you guys have yes. a, a different chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of rapport. Yeah. Um, but with, uh, when you and Ari are doing content together, do you like, do you have each a role? Like, do you find yourself playing a role? Uh,
1: yeah, we, we fall naturally into a role. I think, um, uh, I think I'm, I think maybe sometimes I fall into a role of being like a little bit zanier, um, a a little bit, maybe a little bit less mature. Uh, he definitely falls into the role of being a, you know, a, a better mechanic than I am. Um, and, uh, part of that is true because yeah, <laughs> like, he is yeah, yeah because he's a much better mechanic than I am. um but yeah we we definitely find ourselves doing things where it's like uh he you know it's like oh well who's gonna fix the bike in this situation well and you know some of these are creative discussions that we have in the moment or or in pre-production or, or sorry post-production um to who, who like what the optics should be and yeah so, so do we do we like lean toward him fixing something because that's what people are expecting and people are more excited about that. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think we fall into those roles a little bit. I think there are times where he probably steps back from making a joke, uh, because it feels like that's my role, even though, you know, I guess what I'm saying is if someone were to think that, um, that I'm, you know, a lot funnier than he is, or he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a much better mechanic than I am. Some of that is true and some of it just isn't. Like I wouldn't say that I'm funnier than he is, um, and I think that there are probably some things that um, that I feel comfortable doing mechanically that no one would ever expect to see me do on film, just because that's like not
0: who I am. It's not who you are on camera. Uh, on camera, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: And I don't mean to overstate my mechanical abilities; they're not great. Um, but I have had situations where I've like uh, interacted with people and said like, "Oh, you can do this, that, and the other thing," or "You can, um, you know, swap out the whatever." And they're like, "I didn't even know you knew how to do that. I thought Ari did all that." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, he does. I mean," He does. He's he's a he's a thousand percent better than I am as a mechanic. But it doesn't mean I doesn't mean he can. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like I have grown up around motorcycles my entire life. You know, like I do yeah. know how to whatever <laughs> change a tire or um, whatever. So
0: well, next time Mary tells a joke, I'm going to be like, "What are you doing, man?" Is that yeah? Exactly. You don't tell he's, the exactly jokes around, around
1: here. <laughs> yeah. I, I I picked a bad example. I actually come to think of it, I can't think of anything that I'm better than he is at. So maybe maybe I'm just useless. Come to think of it, I'm not sure. Oh.
0: So he saves it, the jokes for you just so you have probably,
1: <laughs> I don't, I can't actually think of anything that I'm, uh, that I'm better at. So, so yeah, I guess he's just carrying the team ultimately. Wow. <laughs> you guys are,
0: are, are a great team. Uh, everybody loves, uh, watching you and, um, awesome to sit down and uh, chat with you. It's always fun looking forward to the next time. And yeah, absolutely,
1: man. Well, I, I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate you being interested in, in this adventure we took and, um, and, uh, Oh, yeah, I'm glad a- you did it <laughs> <laughs> yeah right on well and it's always a pleasure to to catch up with you i i appreciate it
0: all right thank you get on home right on man thank you all right what a bummer to have gotten cut a little bit short with zach but i really enjoyed sitting down to talk with him i hope you enjoyed that as well and if you want to check out that episode of ctxp just click on the link in the bio you won't regret it until next time ride safe